0: This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's show is being recorded live in partnership with Reforming Church in Bendigo. Today's big question, is there something I should fear? We asked this question today to Russ Grinter. Russ grew up on a farm in New South Wales where he planted lots of wheat, barley and canola. He studied at Theological College and is now the lead pastor of a reforming church in Bendigo. He loves his family, eating hot dogs, kicking a rugby ball and talking. And he joins me now, please welcome, Russ Grinter. Thank you, it's great to be here. Well, Russ, that's some enthusiastic welcome that you've got there today. Yeah, Yeah, we're all friends here. Uh, (laughs) That's very good. So, Russ, you grew up on a farm and around farm equipment. Now, it's pretty common that kids help out around the farm when they're growing up. Was that the case for you?
0: Yeah, certainly was. Yeah. I remember. So having...
1: was, was there anything in particular where you helped out? Yes. Uh, my,
0: my dad has one son, that's me, and a daughter. And for him, uh, he needed help. He had two tractors. And so what he would do, he would get me driving one, and I started at five years old. Uh, so he would... Uh, so you were driving tractors at five years old? Five years old. People don't believe that. <laughs> okay, um, right. But it's actually... You ask my mum, my sister, dad, its, it's a, whether you should or not do that these days. But he would set me up on one tractor in one paddock, and he would get me doing the cultivation. And uh, so he would start, he would do the first round and then he'd he'd say to me, "Um, are you right? He'd be standing there next to me in the cab, are you right? And I'd always nod, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then he would, as the tractor's moving, open the door, get out on the steps, jump out of the way of the moving tractor and out of the road of the cultivator. And then he'd go to the next paddock and get on the cedar and he'd do the sewing behind my working and I would just go round and round all day as a five-year-old, feet not touching the floor, driving So you couldn't tractor. touch the pedals? Couldn't touch the pedals. It's quite a large tractor. Couldn't touch the pedals. All I could do is steer. And so I learnt, uh, and John Williamson has his song, to, to learn to play a real straight line. I learnt how to do that at five years old. Wow. And so you, were you afraid? Actually, very afraid. <laughs> um, my, but my, I, I guess at five, I'd, I had some sort of sense of my dad had no one else to help and uh, a sense of responsibility, but a a huge sense of fear. When he said those words, because I had ear masks on, he was trying to protect my young ears, um, he he would crouch down, uh, Are you all right? I'd always nod. But inside, (laughs) I was terrified.
1: Yeah. Um, You gained some confidence, though, with driving the tractor, didn't you?
0: I did. So, actually, um, uh, I mentioned that song by John Williamson. Uh, His whole song, The Farming Game, is all about growing up on a farm and gaining confidence and and learning to solve problems on your own as you go around in circles. I gained confidence in, here's a 100-horsepower machine that I'm operating... Sort of. I was driving the steering wheel. Um, and uh, he told me, he instructed me how, if I ever got, got too scared or became a problem, how to shut it down by pulling the stop cable and the whole thing would just stop. It's not good for the machine, but it would just stop. Uh, and I'll just learn how to be confident in the moment of I'm by myself, I'm responsible for this expensive machine, um, and I've just got to do it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. But this is not something you encourage your kids to do, though, these days?
0: <laughs> no way. So, so my son, my oldest son, turned six yesterday, and I, 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 I look at him and I think, I would not put him <laughs> okay. on a, you know, a $100,000 machine uh, to do that. In, in fact, um, I've been teaching my boys uh, how to... Get, we currently rent where there's a little paddock and uh, to drive a ute, but they must sit on my lap. I would never send them into the paddock with my ute
1: now go for a drive at six and years old. Plow and soil or something. No way, no. <laughs> right, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's the farming life, I suppose, growing up on a farm in some ways. It is.
0: It's a lifestyle. It's a life and, an, and it, it's a school. It teaches you so many things. Um, and um, yeah, that's, I, I love that.
1: Well, we'll hear a bit more about your life growing up in just a moment. But to kick off bigger questions, we do like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're asking Russ Grinter if there's something you should fear. So, today's smaller questions, Russ, I thought we'd test you on how much you know about celebrity phobias.
0: Mm.
1: Now, unfortunately, Russ, I think these are some of the toughest questions that we've ever done on the show. So, do you feel afraid?
0: I do. Okay, good. I, <laughs> I, think don't, know, you should. I don't know what's
1: happening next. Okay, right. There's two questions, both yep. multiple choice. Okay, question one What phobia does American actor Billy Bob Thornton have? Is it A, a fear of snakes? B, a fear of clowns? C, a fear of antique furniture? Or D, a fear
0: of toes? Look, clowns are very scary these days. Yep. Uh, when I was growing up, clowns, were, I'm gonna
1: say clowns. Well, that's actually Johnny Depp's fear, oh. I'm sorry. Um, Matt Damon had a fear of snakes. It was actually C, antique furniture. He has a fear of antique furniture. Uh, apparently, wow, yeah. I, I,
0: I've never feared furniture in any way, <laughs> 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 let alone antique ones. So, do you have a do you have a phobia? Is it? That- I do. Um, some people here may know, but it's uh, I have a fear of heights, and so for me. Um, Uh, Any height, even a a stepladder, my wife knows. She's very kind. uh, She'll try not to give it away too early because I'm trying to be all, you know, tough on the exterior. She'll say, do you want someone to hold it for you, darling? Uh, Because I do fear heights.
1: Right, okay, Rob. Not antique furniture.
0: Not antique furniture, unless it's very high.
1: Okay, (laughs) Rob, it's very tall. (laughs) Okay. Question two. What phobia does singer Kylie Minogue have? Is it a fear of A, clothes hangers, B, seagulls, C, tennis balls, or D talking food.
0: Uh, I'm going to think. I'm going to suggest talking food. That's my answer.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, again, I'm sorry. It's not the right one. <laughs> that's actually the talking. That's actually the fear of Kyra Sedgwick, who apparently turned out at M and M's commercial uh, because she couldn't do it because she feared talking food. Uh, it was actually A. It was actually clothes hangers. Was what Kylie Minogue fears. Yeah. Uh, she says she doesn't like the way they sound when you put them in the wardrobe. So she lays out her clothes rather than hang them up. Wow. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I'm sorry, Russ, but you have to continue to be afraid because you didn't get any of our smaller questions. Yes. Russ. A big <laughs> round of a, a big round of applause, anyway. <laughs> so, Russ, we're talking today about fear, and fear is a big part of your story growing up, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, but it's a very different fear from talking food, clothes hangers, or uh, antique furniture. Uh, or even fear of heights, but it was a genuine fear for you. So what were you fearful of
0: yeah, uh, when I, you were growing up? I grew up and had a huge fear of God, actually. Yeah. That, was, that was my, my big fear, and, and particularly the judgment of God. Uh, I just feared um, and that's been something that's been with me since a small child, as, as far back as I can remember. Yeah. Uh, perhaps I did a lot of thinking on the tractor, um, but I remember thinking, going round in circles um, throughout my childhood, uh, and fearing God's judgment on me, fearing hell,
1: fearing those. So things. That's a ge- genuine fear for you, because that's not yeah. a, a many of many of your friends at school probably didn't have that same fear. Not at all. I, I, I kind of picked up early that I was
0: unique in right. that and, uh, and no one else seemed to fear it in the same way.
1: Because um, it does, does seem morning. a fairly unusual thing for a young person these days have a fear of. So, can you tell us your story? Where did this come from?
0: Yeah, and I think I mean, thinking about young people these days, like I feel very Gen X. I'm a Gen Xer, so.
1: Well, I'm Gen X as well, but but I don't think that was my environment of kind of growing up with the fear of God.
0: Yeah, and for me, um, I grew up in a in a church home, so my parents are Christians, um, and um, and for me, growing up in that home, it's a lovely home, and and I don't think that it was. Uh, they didn't really talk about. Um, the judgment of God a lot. No. Uh, and, uh, and I think uh, even back then as a five, six, seven-year-old growing up into a hood, I didn't think I heard a lot about it in our church, but for some reason it's something that I focused on and could only think about um, a lot was this, this judgment of God that I um, really, in the back of my mind and a lot in the front of my mind, felt like it was coming for me. So this is something you could tangibly feel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but why did you feel that you deserved this, though? were not you a, a kind of a pretty decent guy? Um, I, I was, and I tried more to be a decent guy. You know, I, at school I tried not to get into trouble. Uh, in, in, in my teenage years, I tried to um, uh, just just uh, just not make waves. Um, but for me, it was this. Um, I guess uh, uh, this ongoing feeling like I'm not perfect and I just, I can't do it, and therefore, um, God is like a, a big uh, principal of the school
1: in the air, r- right? ready to uh, to punish my every failure. Well, Someone some would say that's the problem, though. I mean, they say that Christianity is built on preying on people's fears, so wouldn't mm. it have been easier if you just rejected God altogether, and your fear would have disappeared? It would have been,
0: and I think I tried to in my teenage years, early teenage years, um, even that... You say you tried to reject God? Yeah, tried to, uh, for me, tried to even um, believe he wasn't there. But for me, there was this nagging thought that he's real, he's there, and and this is our relationship, that he can see my every move. Um, You know, in the 80s, there was this song, Every Move You Make. Uh, <laughs> so you felt that, did you? Yeah, yeah. It's so
1: interesting, that, that song's often used at weddings, but it's kind of a creepy song. It is a
0: creepy <laughs> song. And, uh, and uh, I like 80s music and 90s music. And so for me, it was like this, this picture of God that every move you make, every step you take, I'll be watching you. And, and that felt like it was really true of me. And, uh, and the inevitable was coming that one day uh, I'm going to die and face judgment and I'm finished
1: so you feared, so you accepted God was real, you mm. feared judgment, but, but isn't this, ju- this fear justified? For example, in Luke 12, 4-5, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life we have, Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and alter, so after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So wasn't your reaction to fear God reasonable what the Bible says? Yeah I think it was Um,
0: and i had you know been in in a church home a church family so going along to church um, had had a picture of God of God the judge and as I said earlier it wasn't like uh, our church talked a lot about judgment but that's the picture I had and that's what I focused on Um, and that it was it was real that the things that I had thought um, and the things that I had done, and then growing up as a teenager, you, you know, teenage world becomes
1: very different to primary school world. Yeah. Um, so had you done things that were bad? I mean, I th- you thought you were a pretty reasonable guy. You're a nice guy, surely?
0: Yeah, well, see, that's what everyone thinks, right, on the outside. Um, but on the inside, as a teenager, uh, you know, my, my, I knew my thought life wasn't fantastic uh, about people. Um, what
1: do you mean? What sort of things would you think?
0: Yeah, so I think uh, I started to notice girls... Um, and uh, and I, I started to, to to think about the kind of things that a teenage boy thinks about. Um, but isn't that natural and reasonable? Well, uh, that's what all my friends were saying. Uh, and this is the 90s, and so this is before uh, internet. But um, for them, it was just normal to, to the way they spoke and the way they treated girls was just so normal. And for me, um, I just felt like every step I take, every move I make... Uh, Someone's watching me, and um, and that what was happening the whole time as I I did my best to try and fit in. but At the same time, like I can't, I'm, you know, had this nagging feeling that something's wrong here. I'm gonna get judged for this. Right. Yeah.
1: So then, what happened next? How did how did you resolve this? Well, for me, um, it it
0: was it was not what I would have predicted. I actually thought um, at the end of my teenage years, I was going to uh, finish with high school, go farming, and probably not ever go back to church again, because I found church completely boring. Um, and that's uh, not my, my church growing up's fault, it was my fault, I think, looking back. But for me, here I am, I'm a 15, 16 year old, uh, lots of stuff's going on in my life, um, made a lot of mistakes, and that's all haunting me, I guess, and this, this this idea, let me judge for it. But I find church completely boring, and so I'm sitting there Sunday after Sunday, and there's um, not listening to the the preaching, not listening to the messages being being. Uh,
1: this is not something you advocate in your church, not at is. all. <laughs> um, so, so
0: I do not advocate it, but I can understand it. Like I can, uh, it's not like I, I see you know, people today thinking, you know, uh, this has to be exciting every moment. I, I get it, I understand that. And I think that I was so bored, like you could even go to uh, Tomorrow Baptist Church, my church I grew up in, go to the second row on the left at the back, and you'll find my name scratched into the pew. (laughs) Um, uh, So bored like that, that one day I remember just, I'm just, I don't know what to do. uh, So I picked up a Bible in the pew. And um, I started reading war stories because um, that interested me. Uh, I started reading war stories and I'm reading story after story. And then, in, the, in the Bible, war in the, stories In the, the Bible. Bible, yeah, because if you go to the Old Testament, there's a few there. Yep. Um, and, um, and I was in the army cadets, that kind of interested me. And then um, I, thought, I saw this book, Romans, and I thought, oh, yes, Roman war stories, like, you know, the generals <laughs> and whatnot as I started reading Romans and it's it's almost like you know if you you read the first few pages of Romans and there's my fear of judgment I'm like oh boy every step you make here we go it's it's right there it's it's laid out and and I just saw in this message the first few chapters of Romans that I am without excuse that um my plan of kind of ditching church um, and perhaps getting away from God was just not going to get anywhere
1: yeah yeah so this is it kind of confirmed you in your feelings of the judgment of God, so to speak, on your life. Yes. Yeah. Um, how did it get resolved? What happened?
0: Yeah, so uh, I kept reading Romans and, and started feeling like by chapter two and into chapter three, started feeling like a little bit, um, a little bit kind of cranky, angry with God, who I, who I knew was there. I was trying to get away from Him. And I was like, if this is what life is about, and I'm, I'm 15 turning 16, if this is what life is about and it's just me and I'm not measuring up and I'm going to face judgment, um, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, what's the point of this? And, and, uh, and I might as well just be like my friends because they're not trying at all to impress you, God. Um, I might as well just try and do that and just, just forget about it um, for a while. Um, but just feel like what's the point? Because judgment is inevitable. I fear it. I don't know what to do next. Except... I just kept reading a little bit more yeah, and I stumbled across some words that I just sat on for a while and just sat there. And there's little words there, but God, um, but God, and he's, he's done something like he's... Um, now, as I was reading this in Romans 3 and there's a bit in Romans 5 and chap- those chapters, at the same time something was happening, I'm 15, 16, I start kind of switching on in life and i just start listening to the, the messages that were being preached by the old country preacher at the time. And it seemed to me he had one message every week, um, the same one. And it was he kept saying, it is dealt with, it is dealt with, it is dealt with. And for, he might have been saying that for 15 years. I right, okay. And pe- I never picked up on it. All of a sudden, I'm reading Romans, I'm reading those words, I'm hearing him and I'm going, ah, now I see right. how God relates to me. So, so did that help? It helped. It helped a fair bit, um, but I still had some struggles after that. But that was the first moment I remember uh, realizing something different, and and that the, something different the way that God actually relates to people, hmm. the way He relates to me, and that was the first realization. So, what was it that's different about what how God is related to us? Um, I saw that He 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 actually relates by grace. Um, he relates um, by actually doing something about my. Uh, problem that I'm facing of judgment is that and I eventually saw in that in that moment in that book of Romans um, that actually Jesus uh, comes into the world to get judged for me instead of me Um, and I had I had grown up in Sunday school Uh, we we had in our Sunday school, we had Sunday school exams at the end of each year, right? That's how, I'm, you know, hardcore our Sunday wow, school Wow, that's was. pretty hardcore. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and they got those exams, we had to fill out exams. They got sent off to Sydney um, <laughs> right. and they came back with answers and results and whatnot. I could have told you all the Bible stories in the Old Testament. I could have told you... Well, who, you,
1: you knew them. You, you had the battle stories. I had <laughs> the battle
0: stories. You know, I could have told you who Hosea's wife was and Moses' wife, all that sort of stuff. I could not have told you how God relates to me by grace, um, I, and I think I could not have told you what the Bible calls the gospel, the good news of Jesus, uh, until 16 years old, when a few things just fell together and it's like, I now see something I've never seen before. So how did that then change your fear? Yeah, it brought relief initially, uh, a lot of relief. Uh, it, it really meant for me that a, a kind of, I, I looked at God in a new way, I was like, oh, y- You are not uh, the one who's just watching for me to fail to punish me forever. Uh, You you, you actually are for me in some way. Um, And I I was still learning lots and and relating in this new way. It took some time. Um, So that was a lot of relief initially, uh, which was good. I still had some struggles, though.
1: Yeah, You eventually resolved them, though, again through the Book of Romans, wasn't it? Yes, that's uh, right. When you kind of finally clicked for you. So when it finally did click... Mm. Did you feel free? Yes, I did. Um, it finally clicked.
0: It Actually, I'm a slow learner. So I went from 16 and then I went to um, to, to Wagga, a big regional centre for, for university. And then uh, a, a guy there who worked for the university ministry said, would you like to read the Bible one-to-one? And I thought that was so weird. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> like you and me? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of one-to-one. Yeah. yeah. Like- <laughs> sure okay and I sort of said yes to kind of make him feel better about himself or something and then thought I'm never going to do that and then um eventually he caught up with me in a cafe and said let's do it all right um and he opened a little um bible study it's called just for starters uh and he opened the bible to Romans in that first little study there Uh, I think it's in Romans 5 and um and and we went over the same things I've been struggling for for a few years so from 16 to, to 21 this was and um Again in this moment, I saw God's grace is not something that I have to keep earning, that I don't have to keep kind of you know impressing him. What, trying his, harder. Yeah, trying harder. I thought initially at 16, I once I'm forgiven, okay, good. Now try harder and stay forgiven. No, I realize then it's 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 God's grace is free. It's forgiving, and I was so liberated. And I was sitting next to with him in the cafe next to the windows of the cafe, and the sun literally came out. But I had, this, I had this. This is what's such a memory in my mind. This is 20 years ago. But it's like the sun finally came out. It's like I finally understood, and and believed, and and loved the liberating feeling of being forgiven and oh. free and not facing judgment. So you did feel very different. Very different. The, the experience for me. Um, it, it, it is, I use that word liberating, it's, it's, it, it was really real. Like I, I feared God's judgment so much and my, my parents, Christian people, um, they have bookshelves of books about agriculture and books about Christianity <laughs> okay. and, and so I, I remember looking at my dad's old commentaries, searching through for what does this sentence mean, is this, is this real, like is this, is this true, I, I, need, I need to know this is real for me because I don't feel it. And in that moment at 21, it was a real experience of, I believe this, I feel this is, this, this is really real for me, and, and that's made and all the difference. So it's almost as though you
1: were connecting with something bigger perhaps? Very
0: much bigger. Um, I think that because I'd thought of God as a big, angry God beforehand, um, now I knew God as a big, loving, gracious God and I felt like I had a connection with him that I never had before. Mm. Um, before, I, di- I didn't feel a connection. Before, I felt a, almost like um, I was a target. Uh, but now, I, I, I was felt talking. like... I'm watching you. Yeah, I'm watching you. Uh, but now, I felt like I was his
1: child, um, yeah. Well, there's another part of the Bible in the Old Testament which is is important to you. It's a well-known Psalm, Psalm 23. Mm. Um, it's, it says in Psalm 23, verse four, "Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me; your rod and your staff, they comfort me." Now, would there have been a time when you would have felt that God being with you would have been a scary prospect?
0: Yes, yes, it would have been. I, I wanted to get away from him because I feared him. Yeah.
1: So how does that make you feel now that when it says, I will
0: fear no evil for you are with me? Yeah, because I realised that uh, he is the one who is my comfort in whatever darkness I or, or whatever is beforehand, uh, before me, sorry, that, that I could experience, that he is with me and he loves me and cares for me. Uh, Psalm 23 is, is a real picture for me of what God is like. That even if I was to go through a period of a down moment in life or a scary moment in life, if I had more fears or whatever it is, even a fear of heights, if for some reason I was in that moment, what Psalm 23 tells me, what God tells me in that Psalm is, I'm with you. And I have found that so helpful for me, uh, particularly also thinking about death and my death, is that I know that on that time when I die, uh, whenever that is, is that there is someone there who is, who is waiting, holding out his hand, who's going to take me through
1: that valley. So that's a radical change from an angry judge who's always watching you. You're trying to make you fail, so to speak, and now yeah. you've got a, a friend and a hope.
0: A very different change. They're, they're, they're two opposite pictures of God, and the first one I had was not well-informed at all, and uh, no relationship. Uh, the, the one I have now is, is a wonderful relationship. So does that mean that you never fear now? No, I still have fears. So if it's a fear of heights, I still have that fear, but also I, I still uh, I fear for myself in different ways, since having, I've got a little family now, uh, and if I, you know, I see them drive away, even to go for the school run. Or They're whatever not driving I was, the cars, that. So no, just to, just <laughs> just to, just to cl- clarify, so, you're not so, giving them the pedals. So yeah. y- usually, my wife is driving. <laughs> okay, and, right. Yeah. Every time, every okay. time, my wife is driving. Yeah. Okay. Um, just, but even I see them drive away, and you know, you just. You watch the news. A lot of people drive to work, to school, whatever it is. No one knows what's going to happen to us in a given day, and so I have this little fear creeps up. What? What if this is the last moment we saw each other? Um, I fear that for my family. Also, fear it for other friends and and for my church. Um, I have fears on behalf of other people uh, that I share, and so they're still real. But I need to actually see what helps me so much is God
1: is. All the more real. He's bigger than those fears. He's, he's with you. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That's really, very real for you. That's right. What about, you're from a farming background as well, what about the mm. fear of drought? Because yeah. that's a big thing for, for farmers and so on. How do you react to that? Yeah, that's a very real fear. And I think that um, farmers have lots of
0: strategies to overcome that. There's a national conversation about how we help farmers financially. It's become a political conversation but the farmers that I know, uh, and we've got we've got um, a farming family that's uh, been visiting our congregation recently, and, and that's my background too. The farmers that I know that, that know God and that He's with them, no matter what happens, whatever valley that is, even a valley of ongoing drought, is that what's the worst that could happen? Did you lose uh, your farm. Yeah, that's lose it. your livelihood, be yeah. unemployed. And I think that I think if you don't know um, God, as shepherd, losing your farm is the worst. But if you know him as shepherd, uh, it's actually not the worst thing. So this is very real for your your friends and family? It's very real for my friends and family. Um, my parents who are trying to retire, um, but they're still sort of farming. They actually had... Um, uh, they wouldn't mind saying this as a public thing, but... Um, their livestock, they, their livestock got to a point where not, they couldn't be sold. So you have to have, have a certain condition on the livestock for sale. They couldn't be sold, so they were desperately trying to source feed. A lot of feed had run out. It's very expensive. They were getting hay. They were maintaining. And then uh, someone just drove past one of their paddocks and reported them to the RSPCA. And, uh, and that, was a, that would have been a hard thing, but my parents were like, it's okay. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, The RSPCA came, they looked at the condition, uh, only a few animals had to be uh, destroyed. Um, um, There was no fine or anything, but for my parents it was not the end of the world. It was not because they weren't fearing... Yeah, they they didn't fear the RSPCA. They didn't didn't fear what if the drought goes for another year um, and and all is lost, uh, because um, they they know that God loves them and he cares for them. Um, Yeah. So, Russ... Is there something I should fear? I think, um, you know, the, the thing to fear is is actually if you are facing life and eternity uh, not knowing uh, what is there, who is there and what's going to happen, I think you need to listen to that fear and find someone who can tell you um, in truth and reality and by experience that there is someone there who actually can see those fears go and can be your comfort, can be your shepherd. I think uh, fearing life and forever without him is is a real thing that I experienced. And and fearing um, judgment, um, I I think people ought to have a a right fear of that if you don't know the one who was judged for you. But there's hope and peace and freedom. Absolutely. Because when you see that here is God himself who takes judgment upon himself for you, to to bring you peace with him, a a wonderful, peaceful relationship with him, and hope forever that cannot be taken away, um, that is so freeing. Hmm.
1: Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to this big question, is there something I should fear? From Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Russ Grinter.
0: Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.